Welcome to Work, Rest and Pay. In this series, we look at the future of work and pay through the lenses of both employers and employees, and we explore practical scenarios and potential innovative ways forward. I'm your host, Laura. Today, we're going to be discussing approaches to dealing with requests to work from anywhere during this remote working world in which we find ourselves in. While requests to work from overseas are off the cards for the moment in the UK as we've entered yet another national lockdown, this is nonetheless a topic which will come to the fore again once restrictions are lifted and it potentially has a tremendous impact on the future of work debate for the longer term. So joining me today to discuss this topic is Becky Woods, Senior Director of Global Mobility at ADP. Becky has many years experience in the talent management and global mobility industry. So what better person to have on this podcast? Hi, Becky, and welcome to our podcast. Hi, Laura. Thanks for having me today. Great. So how are you doing? You're joining us today from New Jersey. Is that right? That's correct. From our ADP headquarters. Very good. And you've had a good or a reasonable start to 2021 over there? Six days in. So far, so good. <laughs> Very good. So I think it's the morning time over there. So you've got, yeah, you're midweek. Um, we're, we're in the afternoon. So um, so let's get started on this, this topic. Um, I guess to, to begin with, um, could you set the scene and tell myself and listeners about the sorts of requests that employers have been getting during this pandemic and may get a lot more of um, depending on the restrictions in their areas? Sure, I'd love to. And, and I'd even like to start sooner than that. So kind of pre-COVID pandemic. So, you know, HR departments at, at all different types of companies have always gotten requests from employees who say, gee, for whatever personal reason, I'd really like to go work in another country on a temporary basis. Maybe I'm going to be on holiday somewhere and I'd like to stay a few extra days in that location. So is it okay if I just work a few extra days there? Or, you know, I've uh, maybe I'm getting married in another country and I'd like to spend a few weeks there preparing for my wedding. And is it okay if I work while I'm there? So, you know, we've always gotten these types of requests in, in the human resources department, but they've been few and far between. And it's really been more kind of exceptional circumstances or, or around holiday travel um, and, and, and very short durations, usually, you know, maybe a week, maybe two weeks max. What happened when, when COVID hit and a lot of um, employers started sending their employees home and saying, you know, go work from home for now until it's safe to go back to the office is people were saying, well, well, gee, I'm, I'm working in my house, but, you know, maybe I live in a, in a tiny little flat um, in, the, in the center of London and, and you know, my friends and family aren't aren't here. I can't see them. And gee, I'd really rather go be somewhere else and maybe with, with another family member in, in a larger home. And if we're all working from home anyway, why does it matter where I'm working? Can't I just go, go work in this other location? I'll, I'll keep working my same work hours. I'll have the internet. I'll be able to still be productive. So if we're all from home anyway, why does it matter where I am? So um, you know, we'd seen employees going to their managers, you know, when, when things really opened up again around that, that June, July timeframe and 
and saying, okay, I've been in quarantine lockdown for three months. I don't hear any anything that we're going back to the office anytime soon. Um, can I just go work somewhere else for a few months? And, you know, managers may kind of unilaterally say, yeah, that's fine. As long as you're still productive, that's okay with me. Um, but then, you know, these requests started making their way to the human resources department and more specifically the global mobility teams um, who, who are used to managing cross-border um, arrangements. And that was where we said, gee, wait a minute, there's, there's more to this than meets the eye. This is something we really need to investigate and, and look into. And especially because people started to ask for longer and longer durations. Can I go two, two months, three months, six months? Can I go until the office opens back up, which, you know, at that point it will have been over a year. So again, the requests, we, we started getting many more types of these requests and for longer durations. Right. Okay. That's, that's a really useful summary. Um, what are the sorts of challenges and issues that those types of requests now represent or present? Yeah, yeah. And there, there definitely are challenges and issues. Um, so the, the, the two main categories really are around compliance and duty of care. So when we talk about compliance, we're speaking very specifically around a, a few different things, but, but a big one is um, individual taxation. So if I'm in another country working for an extended period of time, I may be there long enough to actually become a tax resident of that country. And that may mean that I need to file a tax return there. I need to pay taxes there. Maybe it even means that my employer needs to set up a payroll there for me and I should be on a local payroll paying taxes, you know, every month that I'm there. Um, so. Sure. So, right. So it creates um, this individual tax liability. It might create from the company side um, th that need to, to set up the payroll reporting. So there's payroll compliance there for the company. Um, also, from an immigration perspective, do you even have right to work in that country? Um, I know, for example, I've seen people going to India and if they're Indian citizens, yes, they can work there for a non-Indian employer while they're there working on a temporary remote basis. But, you know, I've seen tourists going into India and saying, it's okay, I'm not working for an Indian employer. But no, actually, if you're there on a tourist visa, you, you can't work there, mm -hmm. um, even if you're working for a non-Indian employer. Um, similarly, you know, Brexit, um, is has just happened and you know if you've got uk citizens going to other countries do they have right to work in another eu country uh, maybe maybe not so you don't want somebody working illegally in another country so that's another compliance risk um another one is when you think about labor law so if you're in another country for an extended period of time and you know, I start thinking that the time frame that goes through my mind is, you know, six months or longer, um, but it's really country by country dependent. But if you're there a long period of time, you could really say that, hey, I'm actually now an employee in this country and these countries' labor laws apply to me. So what happens if you have, you know, a, a UK employee who's now been working remotely in, in France and you want to terminate them? And they're still in France when you're terminating them. They may say, hey, you actually have to terminate me now under French labor law. Gosh, uh, that, yeah. Yeah, that, that brings mm. its own extra <laughs> set of complexities and potential costs. And um, mm. so that, that can get tricky. 
And the last one is from a corporate tax perspective, there's something called a permanent establishment risk. So this is where if you have employees who are working in countries where either you don't, your company doesn't have a registered entity um, or you're not employed by that entity, but you're doing business there, depending on the type of work you're doing, especially if you're in like a sales position where you're generating revenue, if the government of that country sees you're doing business in their country, they're going to want to tax you. And they're, they're saying you're doing business in our country. You're, you should be a registered company here. We, you know, we should, be, you should be paying your corporate tax here. And they'll go after um, the, the entity in the country where you are employed and say, hey, you owe tax in our country now. So you can create that kind of risk for the company. So it's a lot of different types of, of compliance risk that, that we examine, you know, when we get these types of requests. And then the second is this duty of care. So when we think about the types of, of benefits and ways that we, you know, we try to protect our employees, and the big one is medical insurance, the health insurance. Well, a lot mm. of times when people go to other countries, their health insurance might not cover them, or it might not cover them after a certain period of time. I know I've seen, for example, certain plans in Belgium that if you're working outside of Belgium for more than three months, your coverage won't apply to you where you are and you're kind of on your own. Um, you know, when employees travel for work, they're usually covered under like a business travel accident insurance. Well, that won't apply to you if you're working remotely in, in another country for a long period of time. So I, 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 employees really need to be savvy and have a good understanding of, am I properly covered in case something happens to me while I'm working in this other country? Yeah, seems such an obvious one. I know that when we, we spoke about this this topic before, you know, that one sort of stood out to me and I was like, hold on a minute, I've never actually considered that. But it, it seems like such an obvious thing that you would check, uh, you know, when you when you go on holidays for extended periods, you you take out holiday cover or you you extend your your existing insurance so yeah it's really interesting isn't it that um yeah. potentially employees are, are not thinking about that right exactly okay so there are sort of the main main areas so the compliance and the the duty of care um challenges so i suppose moving on from that is there particular advice or not advice but i suppose words of wisdom from having dealt with these types of requests that you know you are able to share with us um things that should be factored in uh for, for the for the short term to begin with um when, when it comes to these sorts of requests yeah and i think the way a lot of companies have been dealing with this since covid began um because like i said i mean this always came up pre-covid but it, it wasn't you know a very pressing thing or you know there wasn't high mm -hmm. demand for it but ever since COVID began, and again, especially since June when borders were opening up and there was more free movement of travel. Um, I have to say all the, the corporate HR professionals, especially in the global mobility field, this is, has been a huge topic of conversation since then and, and continues to be. But, but what it seems to be that most companies were doing um, in, in the beginning of COVID, we're really evaluating these on a case-by-case -case basis. So an individual will come forward and say, here's my specific scenario. Here's why I want to go to the other country. Here's where I'm going. Do I have right to work? Um, will I be taxable there? Um, and, you know, when, when is the plan to, to come back? What's the duration? And, and companies were looking at those compliance things to make sure that both the employee and the employer were protected and 
So they were examining the individual taxation, the immigration, the corporate tax, uh, permanent establishment risk, and and then deciding case by case if they wanted to approve these or not. And uh, I some companies did start making I don't not necessarily a policy, but perhaps guidelines or guardrails around. Okay, if we get these types of requests, here's the parameters for approval. For example, we will only approve it if they're going to a country where we already have an entity. We will only mm -hmm. approve it if they can demonstrate to us that they have right to work. We're not going to help them get a visa. They have to, you know, show us that that they do have their own visa and can work there or citizenship. Um, mm -hmm. And and they started making these guardrails, but just during the COVID period. So I know some companies were saying, okay, this this uh, policy will be valid through December thirty first, twenty twenty. Okay. You know, still not everybody's back to the office now. So, okay, we're going to extend this policy to March 31st, 2021. You know, with the expectation that as soon as offices normalize and open, we expect everybody to be back in their home location and doing work kind of where they've been employed by. Um, you've got other companies who have said, no, this is not okay. There's too much compliance risk or, you know, it, it, it creates um, inconsistencies. If you've got some, you know, approving packages for one and, and other managers who are not approving these arrangements. And, you know, in order for us to be globally consistent, the easiest thing is to say, no, we're not going to allow this. And I've seen the communications where companies and, and CEOs have sent out um, mass communications to, to the employees saying, you need to be back in the your country of employment by X date. And if you do not, it's considered job abandonment and you will wow. be terminated. Mm -hmm. um, and, that, you know, that's more so the, the, the companies I've seen doing that are kind of more the ones in the financial sector where, you know, they, they do have a lot more rigidity and, and compliance concerns than, than maybe other types of companies. So I think companies are have really been looking at, you know, what's our corporate culture? How much flexibility do we want to provide these employees? How much compliance risk is there to us? And weighing all of that and then determining how they've been dealing with it kind of in this short-term COVID environment. Okay. So I suppose it it you know, as you've as you've mentioned a few times, you know, it isn't going away though. And certainly I suppose, you know, being back in lockdown and, and hearing about sort of uh, a couple of months time, you know, vaccine will will get us all out and about again. Um, what about, I suppose, the, the the longer term? Because there are new, I suppose, employee expectations around flexible working now. You know, working from anywhere, time uh, differences, all of that. Um, there are changes in those expectations. So, what about that longer term view? How might companies think about that? Yeah, and it's a great question. And I really think that the, the companies who are forward thinking are the ones who are going through that, that thought process right now. Um, and, and it's happening, you know, as HR um, departments are having these more general conversations on when, when will our people go back to work? And when they go back to work, meaning back to the office, what will that look like? You know, if people were accustomed to being in the office five days a week, uh, maybe now they're only going to be in the office two or three days a week. Do, these employees have now become accustomed to, to working from home, to having certain work-life flexibilities, and they don't want to give that all up and go back to kind of, quote, how it was before. So um, I think as companies are evaluating just in general their kind of future of work strategy, 
Um, this will play into it. And if you have a policy that says, hey, we're, we'll accommodate you working from another country for X period of time, you know, once, once per year, um, that could be considered a, a, a value added benefit. Um, it mm-hmm. would, you know, add to your employee value proposition. And, and you might be seen as an employer of choice as you're competing for talent in the global marketplace. So I think it's important that that companies are thinking about it now. How do they because these requests will still continue to come. And and again, they're going to c- come more and more often now that, again, employees have gotten accustomed to the work from home. So, you know, as, con- as companies are kind of benchmarking now. In terms of what what are other companies doing, you know, you see a lot in the um, in, in the news about the the technology companies that are saying, "Oh yeah, everyone can work from home wherever they want. They're never going to come back to the office, right?" So I feel like they're kind of leading the charge in terms of trying to create these these flexible work environments. Um, like I said before, maybe you know the the financial firms, the one with more compliance risk, are kind of on the other end of the spectrum where they're a little stricter and saying. At this point, at least saying, nope, we're, we're all going to be back to the office or at the very least be in the country where you're supposed to be, where, where you are employed from. And everyone else that, that I've been speaking with and hearing from and, you know, Pricewaterhouse and, and some of the other big four have done a lot of benchmarking on this. Everyone else is kind of in the middle. And a lot of companies are saying, you know, we'll, we'll authorize this for two weeks in a year or four weeks in a year. I mean, the, the I'd say the longest I saw was was 90 days, and that was a, a technology company. So again, mm-hmm. it, it's just going to be a question of how do you and your corporate culture want to balance employee experience with that compliance and duty of care aspect? And kind of wherever you fall on that spectrum will be, I think, where you end up deciding how to craft your policy. Mm-hmm. And I suppose that that policy or those guidelines or that framework of, of, of thinking about this now and getting started now, um, are there any sort of practical steps um, t- towards that that you're able to share? Because um, I know we spoke before about sort of, you know, there was, there's lots of people involved in this debate, isn't there? It's not just a HR uh, task force. It's probably multi, uh, multifunctional, multi-departmental uh, stakeholders that potentially need to be involved in something like a, a task force or a, a committee or a, a forum. Yeah, no, that's, that's exactly right. Yeah. And I mean, and a lot of the, the groups that, you know, you would need to talk to to make to ensure that all of your stakeholders are involved do sit in HR, right? It would be your global mm-hmm. mobility team, uh, your payroll team, your HR business partners, HR generalists, because they're really tuned in to kind of what, what the business needs are and the employee expectations. Um, the benefits team to address the, the medical, the health insurance piece. Uh, your compensation team, um, if you have an associate relations or employee relations team, um, you'd also want to get them involved, your immigration department. So th- just just those groups right there, they typically sit in the human resources department. But even outside the human resources department, um, you might need to work closely with finance. If you end up being in a position where you do need to set up payroll compliance for somebody and you need to do some internal company chargeback, so you'd want to make sure um, finance um, is is also in the discussions. Um, the legal department, again, to address kind of those those labor law questions and place of employment questions. 
uh, your corporate tax team to talk about the permanent establishment risk, your global security organization. Uh, you know, one thing that, that we didn't touch on, but is also kind of another duty of care is that um, I know a lot of companies uh, when, for example, if there's a natural disaster, it, usually like the global security organization or employee relations will reach out to the associates that they know are located in, in that place where the natural disaster is happening and they'll want to account for them all and they'll want to make sure that they're all safe. Well, if yeah. you've got in, in your HRS system that it says somebody is a UK employee living and working in the UK, but actually they've been approved to go be in, in, in France for, for two months and, and something happens in France, well, your, your security team won't know that they're there. They won't be able to, to find or, or locate them or even know to find and locate them. Um, so you might want to talk about, you know, do you want to be tracking these people and how do you want to do it? And, and is it critical to know from, from that duty of care perspective? So they, you might want them on your task force as well. Same with your risk management teams and, and your travel departments. Again, is it important to you to be able to have a central place for, for tracking these people? So, you know, it's important to get all these different groups together, um, to get their input and insights and, and have them you know, kind of bring to the table what their concerns are and, and their risk tolerance. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a broad and large group, but I really think it's critical that, that everyone is involved in this. Sure. And I suppose for smaller companies that, you know, is potentially even a, a bigger challenge because, you know, they've got many hats, um, potentially more hats, I suppose, than in large organizations. So bringing stakeholders together, um, you know, it might be a few few stakeholders, but many, many topics, um, as you've sort of mentioned, to be able to take on board. Okay. So um, I suppose finally, just before we, we wrap up, um, I'd love to just, I suppose, get from you your take on how important this particular topic is in this whole future of work debate, I suppose, when COVID-19, when the dust, you know, finally settles. Um, do, you do you think it's, um, it's, it's a really big and significant one in, in the wider debate that we have around this? I think it'll be integrated into this, you know, workplace flexibility conversation and yeah. it'll just be, you know, what's another way do you want to allow your workers to have flexibility? So, you know, the first thing companies are looking at is do they need to even come into a physical office to do their job? And if so, how often? Uh, and then where does the work actually need to be done? You know, does it have to be done in this country? Can it be done in another country? Because I really do think like the, the future war for talent, this topic we're talking about, this workplace flexibility, I do think that it will have a, a, a piece in that. And, you know, companies that can fit the needs of their employee expectations, you know, will obviously have better retention, better engagement. Um, so I, I do think it, it will play into how companies are addressing their future work strategy. Sure. Okay. Well, that's been really useful. Thank you so much for your insight and thank you for joining us from New Jersey. Um, that's it for today. I uh, hope we found this of use and we will talk soon again on the next one of these podcasts. Great. Thanks for having me.